So I want to. I felt really drawn to to speak into Jesus's experience with his disciples of being on the sea and having to where he stilled the storm. It's from Matthew eight, and we'll get into Matthew eight. If you've got scriptures, get a, open up to Matthew eight. We're going to get into it in just a moment. I've been a Christian about a month. Um, I got born again on December the seventh, nineteen eighty, in a little coffee shop um, in the, in the city of London where I was doing some internship. And uh, about six weeks later, I was in South Africa on a sort of extended sort of gap year type thing. And uh, just as a brand new Christian, I was with Christians. And my first weekend out there, we went out into the, into the felt to a, like a student union weekend away. They're like sending off a whole load of Cambridge students out into the fens, except this was um, in a sort of, there was a, everything looked like this actually. It was, it was, it was dry, it was Africa. And I remember that the first night uh, we were in this little, I was in this little sort of hut with a couple of guys. And in the middle of the night, I woke up to this incredible thunderstorm. How many of you have ever experienced an African thunderstorm? Okay, it's all another, it's just like, what we have is like baby ones, just totally baby ones. They haven't even begun. African thunderstorms are unbelievable. And I woke up, having never heard anything like it, woke up in the middle of the night, this thunderstorm pounding around the skies. And, but what was going on is I could hear this voice within me saying, tell the storm to stop. Tell the storm to stop. I'm a six-week-old Christian. I didn't know my up from my down, my in from my out. So I tried to go back to sleep. Couldn't. So I sat up in bed and said aloud, okay, God, I'll tell the storm to stop, but don't blame me if it doesn't work. Wasn't my idea. So I sit up in the bed and I, I, I tell the storm to stop in the name of Jesus. 18 years old, brand new Christian, didn't know which way. And within 30 seconds, the whole thing had gone silent. And all I was left with was hearing the drip, drip, drip of the water dripping off the roofs into the puddles. Absolute silence. The loudest thing was my heart going boom, boom, boom within me. I'm so grateful that God gave me that experience as a young believer because it set something into me, which really I spent the next, that was 1980. And so we're now 38 years on. I've been a believer for 38 years. Um, learning and trying to understand and move into more of that, that we have authority on the earth to command things to stop and to command things to be. So what Jesus would call in Matthew, binding and loosing. You bind things, you forbid them, you prohibit them, and you loose things, you release them, you enable them, and it's all out of the power of your tongue and the words of faith that come out of your spirit through your mouth. And so what we're going to look at, when we look at Jesus in the storm, we're going to look at how that actually happens and some of the challenges to us to, to, to live in that place where we can actually operate with the authority of Christ with our children, in the school, at work, walking down the high road, coming into this building on a, on a Sunday morning. We've, we've had a period of five years being in a school as a church. We're back in the building because we've got, bought the build, a building back and we have room for the kids now. Um, and just having to clean out the spiritual atmosphere of this really rough inner city school. We had to learn how to clean out the atmosphere on a, on a, month, on a weekly basis because the, the stuff that goes on during the week, not pure, not clean, not holy, and it leaves a residue in the spirit. 
So it's like waking up to the spirit realm is just such a profoundly important thing to do. And it's for everyone. It's not just for, for kind of my wife sees angels and sees demons, gets visions of Jesus, and hears God's voice. I don't. If if an angel looks like a wall, that's fine. That's probably what I'm going to see, which carries seeing stuff all over the place. So I've had to learn kind of for myself, kind of just for the very basic level, how to step in and discern things in the spirit around me. So let me share a little bit about that. So Matthew chapter 8, we've got this encounter where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. Firstly, do you know where they're heading? They're going somewhere. Do you know where they're going? They're going to the other side. But what's, where is it on the other side? The, the Gadarenes. The next thing that happens after this encounter is the guy with the, th- the legion of demons gets delivered. I just want to just throw it out. I believe that Jesus has come to deliver the region of Gadara to bring the gospel to it. They've got this massive opportunity. And this... This guy comes at Jesus as soon as he lands, which is a, and it's like this guy is carrying a demonic presence that replicates what's going on in the region. So this is a big thing that's about to happen. The fact that they turn him away is another story, but Jesus has come for a purpose. He never goes to the other side just because it's a nice thing to do. He's not on a tourist trip to Gadara. He's on mission. So the enemy comes against Jesus and his disciples before they even get there on the sea. So we have the story that he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious, everyone say furious. Furious. One of the signs of the demonic is the fury. The enemy will stir up fury against kind and gentle people, against good people, against, against gentleness and kindness. Fury will rise up. Because it activates something in the demonic realm. And there is fury. Now, when the Jewish people are reading the Gospels, they understand that this is more than just a storm. Jesus is coming to fulfill Messianic promises that he would be the God who walks on water and has authority over the waters as God had over the Red Sea when she parted. And to the Jewish mindset, water and sea was symbolic of evil because of the raging waters that you can't control. They weren't a seagoing nation. They had people fishing, but they weren't a seagoing nation. And so you'll find this again and again in the scriptures. Waters can be used of water, but it can also be used when the raging waters rise in the Psalms. It's talking about the power of evil. So what Jesus is about to do is not just a creation miracle over a storm. It's an authority miracle over powers of darkness. And they got it. They understand what's going on. And when he says to the storm at the end, get down, he literally says, be muzzled, sit down. So he addresses it as a being. So what happens? Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. We have this image of the disciples panicking, trying to bail out the boat seasoned fishermen, in a storm. They're panicking, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Now, we have two scenarios here, and they're both in the same boat. One is a man at peace and at rest, and one is a bunch of disciples panicking 
Yet they're both in the same storm. They're both in the same boat. They've all got the same God and Father. But Jesus is at rest and everyone else is panicking. You know, you can be in a marriage and one, one half can be at peace and one half can be in panic. You can be in the same prayer meeting, someone's in faith and someone's in unbelief. You can be sitting in the same meeting, someone's encountering God and someone's missing it. So much in our life is about what we tune into and what we agree with. And what we're going to look at is, is Jesus knows how to tune in to the atmosphere of heaven. His disciples are in the atmosphere of the earth. And that you and I are called to live in the atmosphere of heaven whilst on the earth so that we can bring the atmosphere of heaven to the earth and take authority over the things that need to be stilled. In, um, Paul talks about Satan as the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2. He's the prince, the archon, which means the highest ruler with the power in the air. And air means atmosphere. Now, there are two words in Greek for the word air. One means the upper air and one means the lower air. And the easiest way to picture this is to describe what happens when you go on an airplane in the middle of winter from England and you're going somewhere nice. You take off in the drizzle and the rain and the murk and the misery. And then after a minute or two, wonderfully, you do what? You come through the clouds into, into clear air, sunshine, and everything is clear and blue. So when the Greeks use these two words, the lower air is this realm of, 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 of they said it's of the mist. Whereas the upper air is the realm of clarity and clearness and, and the clear blue. Satan has authority over the atmospheres which we live in every day because we're of the earth. We live under an atmosphere on a permanent basis which is demonically shaped over Cambridge, over Fulham. And the degree of our usefulness to the kingdom is the degree to which we don't agree with that atmosphere, that mindset, the emotions, the feelings, the thought patterns that are swirling around. John says, the, 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 um, he says, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I don't know where that goes to in your theology. But the whole world, the whole cosmos, the whole world order is under the control of the evil one. That's a very strong statement. Not, oh, there is a devil, but you don't need to worry about him. The whole world, put it on, put it on your dashboard, put it on your, your steering wheel, put it on your phone, go into work, drive through Cambridge, come to Fulham. Cambridge is under the control of the evil one. Trumpington is under the control of the evil one. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. You're, you and I are on enemy territory. We're like SAS operators on mission daily. This is not our friend. The, cu the culture we're in right now is not our friend. The mindsets are not our friend. So it's how we live in this and not conforming to it require, is, is so central or else you'll never have authority over it. You can't have authority over something if you're under it. 
And what happens here is you're going to see the disciples are under it and Jesus is over it. So where is Jesus sleeping on a, on a cushion in the boat? Sure, he's tired. He's been a busy day. He's done lots and lots of ministry. He's Jesus. And he's asleep. I would suggest to you that he's in, in his sleep, he's sleeping in a spiritual realm where there is no powers of the enemy. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty God. Almighty, there's no one greater. The Most High, there's no name higher. And Jesus lives permanently connected in that reality, deeply attuned and connected to this reality of his Father and his Father's presence. And as the beloved Son, he's resting in it because he knows his time has not yet come. He knows his time has not yet come. There's going to come a time when his time has come. And then he is given over to the powers of darkness and comes under them, but never gives in to them. Oh, bless the floor. It's okay. So, Jesus was sleeping. This idea of resonance... If, if, I, if, if we were to pluck a guitar over there on a particular frequency, anything else in the building of the free frequency would do what? It would resonate with it. Every, every atmosphere you ever walk into has a resonance. Every spirit has a resonance. That's why we have the resonance with the Holy Spirit. The witness in your spirit resonates to you. It's how we're led by the Spirit. Our spirits, born again of the Spirit, resonates with the Holy Spirit. And now we're able to move with Him in connection because our spirits are in tune and we're able to move with Him. The trouble is our flesh, biblically, our flesh is in tune with what? The ways of the world, the flesh of the devil. There is this journey. It's why fasting is so profoundly important for us to disconnect from the ways of the world and take a season of separation and using the physical to call the spirit, your spirit alert and awaken to attention. Jesus' baptism is followed by fasting, is followed by victory over the evil one. I don't believe any of us can miss one of those three. If you want to truly live like Christ and begin to manifest the, the ministry of Jesus, you've got to live in the baptism of the Spirit, you live with fasting, and that will enable you to overcome the temptations that come your way and overcome the evil one. Fasting becomes an incredibly powerful tool in spiritual warfare and in kingdom living because you're disconnecting from your appetites because you've got a bigger yes. Yes, I want to connect with the Spirit, and I'm laying down my appetites for a while. First day of fasting is the worst of all. If you only ever do one day of fasting, really, I pity you, it's miserable. Day two gets a little bit better, and probably day three is the worst. Once you get through day three, if you've ever done this, day four, five, six, you suddenly move into a whole other sweet spot because your body stops wanting it, and now your spirit begins to connect. I don't know whether you've done that, whether you've done longer than a three-day fast, or whether you think that's just what the pastors should do. I want to encourage you, mums and dads and and businessmen and doctors and nurses and medics and students, push, push out of it. Get out on the ship. 
push out a bit from shore and go a bit further than you're used to and begin to see what happens to you because in these ways we step into new things. So we have Jesus asleep in his rest, his assurance, he knows the Father's love. He is at peace in the middle of the chaos that's going on around him. What about the disciples? What does he say to them? You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Fear has a resonance. We haven't received a spirit to fall, become slaves again. We haven't received the spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. What does fear do to everyone? Makes you a slave. Makes you a slave. Because whatever you're frightened of has begun to control you. That's why you're frightened of it. It's begun to control you. So you think about the thing you're frightened of and it begins to have power over you. And what's happening on the boat is, for very good human reasons, they are frightened. But it wasn't reasons of the kingdom. Jesus is living in one reality and he's just moving by his own speed. Rest in peace. The disciples have moved out of resting God. And I, I'm not very good at doing that. Pat, pat, pat your head and rub your stomach. I, I've never done that. So if I do this, they'll all just end up at the same speed. But the idea being, they are now moving in, in fear. To the resonance of fear. I heard someone say, and I love this phrase, although it's, quite, it's not completely true like all like, sound bites, but the opposite of faith is memory. Chew on that over lunch. The opposite of faith is memory. Now, memory can be a wonderful thing. It promotes faith. But by and large, the areas where you are struggling in unbelief are because you've experienced things in your life that pull you back to them that this is going to happen again. So memory rooted in the, in the defeats of life produces unbelief. That's what's happening here. They've been in storms. They've seen boats sink. They know how this goes. They're the experts because their memory is attached to the ways of man. And so they go into it without even realizing they're back in it. You ever struggle with like suddenly funny, you've got an attitude going on, you're thinking thoughts, and you're like way down the trap before you realize that, oh gosh, why am I doing this? Why am I saying this? Why am I thinking this? This isn't kingdom but you're so used to it. It's what they call, in the olden days, they'd call them familial spirits, family spirits. You've grown up with an atmosphere of fear, grew up with an atmosphere of rejection, of sorrow, of loneliness, of poverty, and that is so, you're so used to that frequency, to that lifestyle, to that, those mindsets, that that is your normal place. Feeling rejected, feeling unwanted, feeling unloved. All the stuff that we, this is why this is so relevant to our lives. And what we do is we resonate with because we never known we couldn't. And that's where the word of God and the spirit of God, and that's why time alone with the Lord in prayer is so central. Praying in tongues, singing in tongues, worshiping, loved your songs this morning. The words are fantastic. Praising him. Because what's happening is you are tuning into the atmosphere of heaven so that you disconnect from the atmosphere and the resonance of the earth. So when you come back into the earth, walk out your front door, 
come out of your study or your bedroom, wherever you've been, and you, 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 you experience life in your family, at work, and you're walking by a different spirit, you now are in a position to have authority. Carrie, my wife, was, was at work. Um, just recently she was at work. She, goes, she works up in, the, in, in, up in town. And she was just do, doing her normal job. And she just began to, because she's very spiritually aware, she began to be aware of the spirit of anger beginning to come into the office because people started bickering. And there was a couple over by the photocopier, clearly upset and angry about something. And she's just watching this going, okay, I can pick up on this. Now, if, if Carrie's normal place is anger, she wouldn't notice it. If her atmosphere is anger and anger comes in, you don't notice it. If your atmosphere you carry in your life is rejection and fear, and rejection and fear comes into the room or is beginning to happen around you, you won't even notice it. In fact, if you carry rejection and fear, you may release it. You know, you release the atmosphere you carry. This is why our human stuff is always spiritual. You can't separate it. Oh, I just feel cross today. If you're feeling cross today and you're not dealing with it, guess what you're releasing into the atmosphere of your, of your family, your workplace? One of the biggest challenges for me as a pastor is to make sure on a Sunday morning I'm at peace. In fact, I, I regard it as the greatest thing I need to do in my life is to protect my peace. Not to get miracles, not to get salvations, not to be this and this. To guard my peace, because if I'm in the place of peace, connected to the Father, from that place, I have authority over any atmosphere. Because the atmosphere of peace comes from heaven. Once I've lost my peace, I'm now part of the problem. See, by the time the disciples have bailed the water and they're in fear, they are now part of the problem. They've just become a storm inside to, to, which is like the storm on the outside. So Jesus, not carrying that, steps up, challenges the mindset. Why are you so afraid? He sees the fear. See you fear. I'm not partnering with you. Guys, why are you partnering with fear? I'm not partnering with fear. Steps up. And now, as a man, not as God, as a man full of the Spirit, because Jesus is modeling life for us, out of that place, he has authority over the storm. And Bill Johnson, a phrase I heard him speak once, which has been a big impact on me, he said, you have authority over any storm you can sleep in. So your kid gets taken to hospital. What comes up? Fear, panic, anxiety. You get a big tax bill through. How do I want to pay this? Your job's under threat. You've just been deeply hurt by somebody. How we process stuff is enormously important. So we're able to be in that place in the spirit where we have authority. So I like the story. So how many of you have watched The Dog Whisperer? Okay, Cesar Chavez is a, he's this guy who's brilliant at looking after, so sorting out problem dogs. And, and if you ever watch it, it's great fun. Um, he goes into these houses and the dog has this problem and it's barking too much and it's, it's, it's aggressive and angry. Whatever. And guess whose problem it always is? It's the owners. It's always the owners. 
it's, and what happens is, is he goes in and basically the, the, he starts working on the owners. There was one, one, of, one of these brains where he went, this is quite extraordinary. He goes into this house. There are these two quite big dogs. And he goes into the living room. And the dogs are sleeping on, the, sitting on the sofas. And the humans are sitting on the floor. <laughs> no joke. Do you see how the, what's that? Things, what, the enemy wants to turn things upside down. So fear controls. You're going to be over the world system, not under the world system. So what he had to do was he ended up getting, getting, the, getting the humans out because they were no good. Took the, the, the smaller of the two dogs, which the, 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 the female, took, took her out. And then he went in and he eyeballed the big male dog. And he took its chain and went, yanked it and pulled it off the seat and took authority over the room. And then once he'd done that, what happens with the dogs is they go into pack mode. There's an alpha in the room. I don't need to be in charge anymore. And it wants, dogs don't want to run the house unless there's no one to look after them. In which case, they'll be the alphas and the humans become the beaters or whatever. So he become, the alpha was back in the house. The dog went, oh, I don't have to be in charge anymore. And relaxed, came down. The other dog came in, took the same attitude. And by the end of the program, the humans were sitting on the sofas and the dogs were on the floor, as it should be. So what dogs are on your sofas? Seriously, guys. Is it fear? Where, is, where has fear got too much control? Where's rejection? Anger? Hopelessness? The enemy loves playing out a scenario of your future without God being faithful. That's called hopelessness. I'm not talking about depression. I'm talking about hopelessness and sense of futility and despair. And what happens is often because we've grown up in atmospheres like that and it's in the big old wide world, we succumb to it. And in that moment, we are disconnecting from the, the, the grace of God to enable us to rise up and have authority over it. And the thing about it is, in our culture, the enemy is very, very clever. I was with a, a pastor, let's grab my water. I was with a pastor from, um, from, from uh, Nigeria, and he said something really interesting. To me. He said to me, in primitive cultures, demons behave primitively. But in sophisticated cultures, demons behave very sophisticatedly. So if you're in the West, you, t- you, know, you, can, you can look at some more dramatic... I go to, when I go to Africa, crazy stuff happens because it's really out, out there and full on. And you could need to come back into the UK and go, well, I can't see all these demons here. Yeah. Tell you, they're, they're absolutely every bit as much as they are oh, yeah. in Africa. Mm-hmm. A lady, a friend of mine, mine called Shompa, Shompa Rice, and she used to work with Iris in, 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 um, in Africa. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, India. She tells a story. Shomba is an extraordinary supernatural lady. When she was a little girl, she learned to walk through walls. As a believer, she loved Jesus. It's just she could do it. Like Jesus, after the resurrection, could walk, come through walls. She grew up in a very supernatural experience. 
And then because of the anger of her father, who, who, when she talked about these things, lost it with her, she shut it all down again. That all began to waken up later when she was as an adult. And she came across, and she, they rescue kids out of, out of um, sex trafficking and um, out of the temples where they're used as prostitutes. Um, and she rescues them out and then trains them up, and they get sent off in a church plant. They've planted thousands of churches with these children from these horrendous backgrounds. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary thing they're doing. Well, Shampa, Shampa tells a story of um, that she, she came to, she went to New York. The first time she ever went to New York, she, to go, she was going to speak at a women's conference. And um, she thought, well, I want to go and see what Fifth Avenue's like. So she goes down to Fifth Avenue, this sort of fashion mecca of the world, and she goes into Saks of Fifth Avenue, a very famous fashion designer. And she's looking around thinking it's absolutely amazing, just like eyes and white like saucers. And there are these rows of clothes. And at the end of each row of clothes are these beautiful models, like, you know, um, presenting, sort of being there and being ready to help. And, and she's so impressed that they can have a, a, such beautiful people at the end of each row of clothes. And she's walking around, and she suddenly looks at one of them as they moved, and she realizes she can see straight through them. That they're demons. Demon at the end of each row of beautiful clothes. You need these. No one's going to love you unless you have these. People are going to think so much more of you if you have these. And the sophisticated demons are speaking sophisticatedly to the sophisticated New Yorkers around fashion. Have you ever, if you're into clothes and stuff, if, if, you, if you, Christmas time, out comes, you, you watch the TV, you'll want to start buying things. It's the atmosphere. It's the spirit of the age drawing you to partake of the spirit of the age. Shortly after Christmas, what comes all the adverts? Holidays. You'd be wanting a holiday. And what happens is we end up, instead of knowing who we are in God, knowing what we carry in God, and walking with the Lord, we start bending into all the atmospheres that come at us from a different direction. And this is really profoundly important to wake up to. That everything is supernatural. Everything. Doesn't mean every cold you get is caused by a demon. But I tell you what, stuff that if you can become ill and then you can turn against God and that can become a supernatural. Everything has supernatural play out because it's not nature and supernature, it's all one. Everything flows in and out of itself. So when we begin to wake up to this and we begin to look at the life around us and we take something like the story of the storm and begin to make it real in our lives, how do I live in a place of peace? How do I get used to the atmosphere of heaven? And then when I'm going through the day, I'm watching and I'm looking, I'm looking and I'm watching for what pops up, what I need to discern, both where God's at work in Starbucks or where the enemy's at work and I need to take authority of the atmosphere and shift it. So in Kerry's story, she saw the, the anger coming up in the atmosphere. She, she went off. Once got a cup of coffee, stood in, in the corner of the office and just began to loose heaven's peace over the office, began to bind up the spirit of anger, asked the Lord where it came from. There's one particular individual who has a, a, an occultic leaning in their own private life. But of course, stuff people carry 
out here they bring into the office. If you, any of you are teachers, boy, you need to learn how to take authority of the spiritual atmosphere of your classroom or your school or your business. Wherever you God has positioned you, whatever place in your life, you have authority there to shift atmospheres, bring God's atmosphere and resisting the enemy. You shut the door in the enemy's face and you open the door to the Holy Spirit. Simple as that. I shut the door to anger. I've seen you anger. I'm not partnering with you. Never try and deal with anger with anger. Never try and deal with someone controlling you with being even more controlling back. You have to disengage from the spiritual and the atmosphere. Stay in God and then you'll have to discern what to do. But so quickly we get caught up in what's going on around us because of the energy, the storm. There's so much energy in it, it quickly taps into our desire to do something about it naturally. And we disconnect from the realm of the spirit. Whatever storm you can sleep in, you have authority over. Who wants to take some dogs off sofas today? You know, no one can take the dog off your sofa except you. The whole thing with Victor Cesar Chavez is he'll, he'll, do, he'll, he'll come in and he'll bring a, a, a change, but then he basically trains the owners to know what to do next time, and they're, they're being trained what to do. And the most important thing that they train them to do is to walk into a room with energy. Come into the room as though you own the room, because then the dog knows that the alpha's in the room. Whereas if you come in sort of, sort of oh, little snuggins. Aren't you lovely? How can I please you? Are you happy today? They think they're in charge. In the spirit realm, it's so like this. Who do you think you are? Do you know you're, you're, you're an alpha female, an alpha male in the spirit? You'll see with Christ in heavenly places far above all rule authority in every name that can be named. Christ is the, the Lord and master. He's our king. But you are seated with him and you're of authority. Every place you put your foot on the planet, you have authority. In that sense, you are the alpha. There's no one above you because you're connected to the most high. The question is whether you believe it. Always, do you believe it? In theory, yeah, we could all get that tick, tick, tick. That's easy, Christian. Tick, 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 got that. But what about in that situation at work? What about in that situation about your money? What about in that situation about sickness in the family? What about in that real life situation? Even Jesus, when he came to, to the, the widow of um, the, 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 the um, Jairus' daughter, and everyone's weeping, do you remember? What does he do? He gets them out. For even Jesus had to control the atmosphere. Atmosphere is huge. So the first thing you need to do is see it, check it, discern it, and then say, I'm not having it. Don't engage with it, and then say, Lord, how do I pray? And then you start operating as a man or a woman living from heaven to earth, from the blue sky into the, into the clouds, not from earth, hoping God's going to do something. Because that's why you're there. You're the authority in the situation. That's why he's given you authority. He's given us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and overcome all, everyone say all, all All the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. Go off into Cambridge. Cambridge is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. So I absolutely adore it. 
But the spiritual atmosphere is very challenging. But if you live in Cambridge, you'll be used to it. If you only come to Fulham, you probably discern our atmosphere because you're not used to it. But you come into Cambridge and having not been used to Cambridge and you discern the atmosphere if you've got your antennae up. But if you're just enjoying the buildings, well, that's one thing. But if your antenna up, you'll pick up the atmosphere because we don't live in it. So it's a very powerful thing to begin to become aware of the atmosphere around you that you live in every day without conforming to it. Anyway, that's be quite an interesting conversation for you guys to have. Oh, what are the atmospheres around Cambridge? What are the strongholds, the mindsets in Cambridge that oppose the gospel and which will draw us to become like them? And we need to think like this so that we have our eyes are open and, and we're, we're soldiers of Christ with our eyes open to the warfare. The worst type of soldier is a soldier who goes into warfare with their eyes closed and they left their gun behind. And that's a lot of the church right now. So bless you guys as you wake up to what God has for you. Why don't we stand? Okay. A couple of minutes before we close. Simply want you to take an issue in your life which has got on the sofa and you're sitting on the floor. It's got too much power in your home. It's got too much power in your life. You choose an issue for you that's real. And it may well this morning be around the issue of fear. But it doesn't have to be. Okay, when you've got it, we're going to do corporately together. First step is to disconnect from it. So I'm, I'm going to use the word it. It'll be easier than trying to, because obviously everyone's got different things, fear, anger, despair, rejection, whatever it might be. We'll just use the word it to, to describe what it is that you're dealing with. So pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me where I have given too much space to it. Allow it to have influence in my life in a way that it should not have because you are my Father. You are faithful. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I have not received the spirit of fear. So I disconnect from this. So in your own words, just disconnect from your agreement with whatever it is you'll bring to the Lord right now. Just go ahead and... I just say, listen, I disconnect today from the fear, from the fear of rejection, from the fear of abandonment from the fear of disaster, from the fear of having no money, from the fear of the future, whatever it is, you disconnect from it. Now, I simply want you to imagine it's a, the, 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 the thing that you've, you've just disconnected from is, a, is like a serpent. And I'm going to invite you just in a moment just to crush it under your heel. So we're going, to, we're going to take authority over the spiritual atmosphere in it with our authority in Christ. So when I say I crush you under my heel and you just pray, I want you to physically crush it under your heel. In the name of Jesus, 
with my authority in Christ, I crush the spirit behind it under my heel. And you might need to stamp on it a few times. Let's lift your face to heaven and reconnect. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you to cleanse our thought process. Cleanse our emotions where we've got used to things and it's almost safer to feel frightened than to not. It's also some, it's almost safer to feel despairing and hopeless and of no good and no use than to rise up and say, in Christ all things are possible for me. Welcome the Lord. Holy Spirit's come and do a realigning, reconnecting, retuning of our bodies, souls, and spirits to tune into the frequencies of heaven in our homes, in our streets, in Cambridge, in the surrounding areas, with our families. Break the patterns, Lord, and show us how to break the patterns. And I'm just going to invite you to pray a last prayer. I'm going to tell you what the prayer is, and then you can choose to pray it or not. It's very simple. Today I choose before God to be a bringer of change and to accept my responsibility to play my part. It's like God saying to Moses, you pick up the staff. We've got authority and we need to accept responsibility. So if you're up for praying that with me, pray it line by line. God, today I choose to rise up. In my identity in Christ, seated in heavenly places, and to accept my responsibility to own my own call to extend the kingdom and be an agent of change. Father, I pray right now just that revelation would begin to ping. Eyes and ears and hearts would begin to hear and see things differently, to do things differently this week, to not go back into the old mode, but to bring in a new way. I can see someone who's been struggling in a relationship. There's been a lot of anger. And for you, it's really important that you disconnect from the anger. You don't fight fire with fire. There's going to be a grace that you're going to be able to bring, which will feel very weak, but that's the point, to allow God to move. And I pray for you for grace to know how to not get caught up in that old anger pattern and to do it differently. So, Father, thank you that you're with us, you'll teach us. Thank you for L plates on all of us this learning journey we're on. And we bless you that you are with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.